Welcome to Erotically Neurotic, a sexy book club podcast. Join us as we take a deep dive into the world of romance and erotic fiction and have candid and hilarious conversations about sex, sexuality, and hidden fantasies. Please note that each of our episodes will contain explicit content and language and lots of spoilers, so please listen at your own discretion. Now grab your books and vibrators and welcome to the club. Erotic, neurotic, erotic, neurotic, erotic, neurotic, erotically neurotic. (laughs) Hello. Hi. I'm so happy we're back. I know. Welcome to Erotically Neurotic. Episode two. Episode two. I can't believe we've moved past the first one. (laughs) Me either. It took quite some time. But you know, lives are busy. Yeah, lives are busy. Books have been being read. How many books do you think you've read since our last episode? Which really was only three weeks ago. Oh my god. Um, twelve? <laughs> it, this is like your superpower. I know. It's going to make people think I have no life and a lot of time on my hands. Which <laughs> is kind of true. <laughs> it's like kind of true and also absolutely farthest from the truth. <laughs> That's true too. I have a ten month old and... We contact nap, so I have a lot of time to read during nap time, Mm -hmm. and I'm a fast reader. Yeah, you are. Otherwise, yeah, no, I don't have a lot of time because of the 10-month-old. However, when he naps, that is my reading time, Yeah, which, you know, I'll admit can get a little awkward sometimes with the books that we read. You know, it's a real (laughs) juxtaposition. (laughs) Yeah, what percentage of those 12 (laughs) books do you think are erotica or some sort of like romance? Uh, 12 out of 12. There is no doubt about that. (laughs) What could I say? I think he can only benefit from this. Thank you. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it helps with like breast milk production. We should do a study. Dopamine, relaxation, all of that. Happy mom. That's all he needs. (laughs) It's getting me through nap time. Exactly. Oh my God. So embarrassing. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Own it. How have you been since the last episode? I've been good. I... Next to that, I'm like embarrassed to say, I think I've probably only read like three books. Oh, so one a week? Mortifying. <laughs> Here I am pretending to be some professional reading just one book a week while also working full time. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> I should, I'm embarrassed. I should hang up my headset right now and just go home. Oh my God. Um, so I was thinking one thing we could do for the, the beginning of every episode, and this is kind of like a, a little nod to a court of thorns and roses i always mess up the order of those words yep. we could do a rose and thorn did you ever do we this should yeah yes. so from your past week one rose one thorn okay oh god yeah i would say my rose has been uh when my baby slept through the night that's huge that happened once and that was really great <laughs> My thorn has been that my husband's been away. He's still away in Germany, as you know. And um, single parenting life is really hard. I can only imagine. Truly, so much respect for, I mean, all parents, but single moms and single dads, I do not know how they do it. Yeah. So that's been my thorn. Yeah. How's your your mental health through this thorn? Pretty good, all things considered. That's good. Luckily, because we have Auntie Amanda here helping. He's in love with you, obviously. Oh, I love him so much. You've been the biggest help. 
And now that he's in bed, we get to do our thing. Yes. <laughs> we were going to do this a few nights ago. Yep. And I had spent maybe four hours with him. You had spent 10 months with him. And we both were like, I am too tired. Let's watch Vanderpump Rules Nothing. and just exactly. tune out. <laughs> and eat ice cream. Yes. 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 I think that was a good choice. What was your rose and thorn? Um, you know, I came up with this idea and now I can't think of either. <laughs> okay. So my rose... Um, I had a really good date day with my husband. We had like a really good little brunch and a dog walk and we bought art. Yes, please, (laughs) please share with everyone the, the artwork that you bought. uh, So our first artwork purchased as a married couple was a print, two prints. One was a watercolor of a pit bull because we have two pitties and one was a watercolor of a pig because my <laughs> husband loves pigs <laughs> because we eat like pigs yes. <laughs> uh, that's what our spirit animal um so they were like at some street art fair that we went to and we i'm obsessed i've already gotten them framed where, are you, gonna hang, them. where are you gonna hang them that's a really good question I don't know yet. I don't know if we're supposed to hang them together because they're both watercolor from the same artist, but they're different watercolor styles. So we got to figure that out. One might go in my office, one might go in Please put the pig in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Only you. Yeah, we actually do have a pig in the kitchen right now. We'll have to find another one. And then my thorn. I have to get ready for a trip. I'm going on a work trip. Oh, you need, I need to give you a flashlight. I need a flashlight. Yes, I'm going to a, a meditation resort that apparently doesn't have electricity <laughs> and you're not allowed to bring meat onto the premise. Are you- um, I've gotten three emails explicitly telling me to bring a flashlight and to not bring meat onto the property. <laughs> so <laughs> I have no idea what's to come. I'm really excited for this training. Uh, it's all about internal family systems, which is like the type of therapy that I do. I'm really excited, but like <laughs> when a place has to tell you multiple times to bring a flashlight and not bring meat, that's just such a, that's just so <laughs> I don't know what to expect. So my thorn is just kind of pre-trip anxiety. Just like not knowing. <laughs> I would feel pretty anxious. <laughs> Like, I know for sure I can't pack certain things like meat, but other than that, I don't know what I'm supposed to be bringing to this. Are you allowed to bring books? Yeah, you can bring books. Yeah, I'll bring, like, my Kindle. What if your books reference hot, sexy meat? <laughs> I should ask, is it literal meat? Or what about, like, metaphorical meat? Because one we cannot live without. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> One is a non-negotiable. I just don't understand how this is a real intense therapy and this is the setup for the retreat. No meat. Bring a flashlight. <laughs> I'm honestly, like, please secretly, like, record all this. Oh, I, I will. need to understand. Oh, I absolutely will. Um, so that's my... You know what? Maybe next time we talk after this trip, the trip will become your rose and it's going to be really transformative. <laughs> We can only hope it doesn't become my thorn because it's five days. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So what are we doing today? Okay. Today we're talking about Mr. Fixer Upper by Lucy Score. Mm -hmm. This is definitely a turn from last week's dark mafia romance to Mm -hmm. some lighthearted HGTV style fun. (laughs) So 
I'm excited. Lucy Spore yeah. is a super popular romance writer. I've read a lot of her books. Not all of them. I'm sure I will at some point. Um, and this was your first time reading one of her books, right? Yeah, this is this is my first Lucy Score. Okay. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, will get into it. I didn't always love the male lead. Yeah. Um, or co-lead, but... Ultimately, I thought I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the pace was good. The story was interesting. Yeah. And I thought some of the sex scenes were like pretty jolt worthy. Yeah. I think it was just like fun, entertaining, easy, mm-hmm. no stress. Yeah. Not certainly not dark like our last one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's let's take it away. Let us you start. Okay. So I'm going to do the synopsis this week for Mr. Fixer Upper. So we have the protagonist, Paige St. Clair. She is the field producer for a reality show where they um, renovate homes for underprivileged people. There's Gannon King, who is the hunky contractor and love interest. There's Cat King, who is Gannon's sister and Paige's best friend. Um, She is the interior decorator for the show. So she and her brother kind of work as like a duo. He does construction. She does um, interior decorating. While Kat is Paige's best friend, Gannon and Paige are like enemies. They uh, have a pretty um, acrimonious relationship. And then there's Megan Trax, who is basically some biddy from the network who works on a different show and the network wants her and Gannon to be together to like for ratings. Yeah. Right? And from what we understand, there's like, they might be dating, maybe yes. not. It's mm-hmm. a little confusing at first. Yeah, yeah. So on we, purpose, of course. Yes. Yeah. So when we start the sh- when we start the show, yeah. when we start the book, Gannon and Megan are supposedly together. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Paige is just the field field producer who cannot stand Gannon. So there's a lot of tension. So this is an enemies to lover workplace romance novel. Okay. Tell me your thoughts here. Yeah. I honestly. I didn't really understand the animosity between Gannon and Paige. So a big part of the tension between them is that Paige is really driven. Paige um, really wants to uh, become a director. She wants to create her own documentary. She is she really identifies as like a hardworking woman in a male-dominated field. So she kind of does everything that the network wants her to do. She's kind of a yes man, or at least comes across that way because she wants to do well. She wants to maintain her job and run up the ranks so that eventually she can do meaningful work that she wants to do. And I think Gannon resents her for that. He doesn't love being a reality star. He really is just doing this so he can make money to save his family business. So I think Gannon sees Paige as like a, she's like the embodiment of, um, like evil network executives who just want to manipulate people and take advantage of people um, to make money. Okay, you articulated that perfectly. Thank you. Thank that you so was much. beautiful. Okay, agreed. So agreed. that's why he's fussy towards her. Yeah. And then she's fussy towards him, I think because he kind of has this arrogant attitude towards towards her or towards like the whole production. Um, I also think the connection with Megan, who has like a really bad reputation for being like a snot and for being cruel, um, and just like a diva. Yeah. I think their relationship, since Paige thinks they're in a relationship, I think that kind of taints her view of him too. That makes sense. So there's just this tension. But unlike most books we've read, there has not been one precipitating event Mm-mm. where something happened that really made them hate each other. Yeah. As you said, it's just they both 
already have these thoughts about each other, these preconceived notions or mm-hmm. observations. And so they just judge a judge each other a bit for sure and like he calls her princess a lot so she thinks because he thinks because she's so reserved and doesn't lose her temper that she's um like kind of like up her own ass yeah 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 and he has like he's really hot tempered and explodes all the time so so there's again kind of like the this is definitely like an opposites attract type story but in the beginning that's where a lot of the conflict comes from so they have a super antagonistic relationship they are constantly getting under each other's nerves. But there is a turn that happens um, in this story when he overhears her standing up to some network executives. Um, basically, he recognizes that, like, oh, she's not just a yes man. She's not trying to exploit these people. She actually really cares about the people that they're working for, the crew. So he starts to open up to her a little bit more. So there's this great scene in the book where they are flying from one house to another. And he sits next to her and they just start kind of having a legitimate conversation. Like they just kind of more vulnerable conversation, I Mm -hmm. should say. They start opening up to each other. He gets his first of many miscellaneous erections, which I love. (laughs) This is something that I'm discovering about myself. I love in these books that men are erect like 75% of the time, (laughs) which is just so funny to me. So it always stands out, so to speak. Um, like, imagine having a purely platonic conversation on a plane, and you're just that hot that he gets an erection from it. I mean, damn. Like, I, like, I feel like in the book, like, when you're reading these books, and you hear, like, oh, I got rock hard, blah, 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 it's kind of sexy, and you're into it. But then in real life, if you actually think about, like, a contractor <laughs> at work with just, like, a rock hard erection walking around your kitchen, like, that's... Like the least sexy thing I can imagine. Like you that, would be firing them. Yes. Maybe not in this economy, considering how long construction's taking. I know, but <laughs> contractors are really hard they're to come, hard by, to right come now. by. But good God, when they're walking around with an erection, seventy-five percent of the workday. Yeah, you want them to see a doctor. Yeah, and to get out of my house. Yeah, <laughs> get out of my kitchen. Please stop sitting next to me on this plane. Exactly. Right. But anyway, he but gets fantasy his first. Land, we like Gannon's. Numerous boners. <laughs> yeah, his miscellaneous erections. So basically, he starts to develop some feelings for her. She starts to develop some feelings for him. They get a little hony for each other. Um, what did you just say? <laughs> uh, hony? <laughs> I've never heard was you that say sexy? that in my life. <laughs> that was sexy, right? I loved it. That was good. Did you get an, an erection? An, a miscellaneous I did. erection from I that? I didn't. I'm sorry. That's it. I'm, I'm really glad you asked. So they're sitting on there. I have to go back to the flight because a big thing happened. So after they talk, after he gets his uh, erection, they fall asleep on each other. And Kat comes up and takes a picture of them because she thinks it's so cute. And she posted on Instagram. Yes. That's where shit really hits the fan because the network goes crazy because now they're like, awesome. We have a love triangle between Gannon and Megan and Paige. They want Paige to be part of the show now because they are just like ratings hungry. Paige is really uncomfortable because again, all she wants is to be taken seriously as a producer so that she can move up the ranks and become a director one day. And she thinks now that she they're trying to make her some reality star, that's going to compromise her integrity. But eventually... Um, she agrees to do it and she becomes a part of the show. Yeah. So the more time they spend together, the more flirtatious they start to get. Um, 
they basically, there's one really sexy scene where they finally hook up because he just like cannot control his erections around her. (laughs) And, uh, the night where they're like, all right, we're going to do it. Like there's all the sexual tension. We got to just like do it. There is a massive windstorm on set, which just kind of happens out of nowhere. Uh, but it is a tragedy. Children are involved. She has to dive on top of a small child to save him from a tent falling on on both of them. She gets, like, fucked, like, totally injured. She's brought to the hospital. Gannon rushes to her hotel later when he finds out because he was offset. And that's where they have a bathing scene. This is, for sure, I think, the most memorable scene of the book. Yes. Which... We will get into yes. probably in more detail in a bit, but so asterisk, yes, bathing scene, bathing scene, yes, and that's where their relationship goes from just like the raw sexual tension to a bit more of an intimate relationship. Yeah. So they they don't have sex, but they start sleeping together, yeah, um, as like a source of comfort. But then eventually they both decide like it's on, let's do it. They have sex for the first time. It's awesome. I love their first sex scene. Um, and then everything's seeming pretty good, but then guess who comes in? Megan. The network sends Megan in. Megan is all over him, kisses him in front of the entire crew. He doesn't say anything. She's like a total twat to Paige. Yeah. Paige is humiliated and Paige ends up leaving. Yeah. The show is over. They let her leave like the day before the last day and she completely cuts him out of her life. Yeah, they go on break. So she yes. literally like leaves and goes back to yeah. New York City. Yeah. Not speaking to him. Yeah. So at this point, the show is on break. She's unemployed. She's desperately looking for work. But she discovers that the network, because she refused to do the love triangle thing, kind of um, blackballed her from like all other productions. She can't find any work until Gannon comes along and he's like, listen, I know things aren't great between us right now, but I have this project that I really want you to be the director for. So like I've mentioned a few times, she's been wanting to be a director of this like feminist documentary about sexism and um, narcissism and abuse against women in Hollywood. So he's like, be the director for this project for me. And then that's going to get your foot in the door so that you can kind of get the money that you need to be your own director. The project is he bought a townhome that needs to be like completely gutted and renovated. And I love this because if you remember in the past, she had told him that her dream home was to live in a brownstone. Yes. So that immediately clicked for me. Yes. Obviously. Yeah. Listen, obviously. Um, but <laughs> we're really smart. We're really genius that we saw that. Yeah. So he buys a brownstone. Yes. But it's a shithole. Yeah. Yeah. So he's saying like, this is my house. I want you to be the director of a show as they follow me renovating this home but you kind of know as the reader like it's her brownstone yeah he's he's doing he keeps asking her her advice on things what do you think what's your opinion on this what's your opinion on that Yeah, like which light fixture would you choose yes which tile would you choose so you kind of know like yeah he's building this house for her yeah so at first he's like this is totally platonic i just want you to have this job then she agrees to have the job and he's like jk i'm in love with you and i'm gonna pursue you um, I'm going to prove my love to you. Yes. This is where the first, this is, I got so fucking annoyed with him that she was like, I want to be taken seriously. Like you need to treat me professionally. And he was like, totes my goats. I'm going to treat you really professionally. Day one of filming, he announces to the entire crew, I'm in love with this woman and I'm going to be seducing her for the next six months or three months, however long. Yeah. And I hated that. And I loved it. <laughs> okay. So tell me, why did you love that? I love a man 
declaring his love in front of everyone and not hiding it. I just was so... Plus, I loved the honesty. Like, I think in so many books, both of the characters love each other, but for whatever reason, their vulnerability, their insecurity, they don't want to tell the other person. So I just loved how open and forward he was of, I love you. I'm letting the world know. I hope that they help me with this and that they talk me up this whole time because... My plan is for you to love me back, but even if you don't, I want you to know I love you. I just love the declaration. See, I I totally get that. Yeah. And I, I, part of the fantasy side of things, I can totally understand why it feels so good to have someone like declare in front of everyone unapologetically, I'm in love with this woman. Right? Yeah. But I also just felt like it was totally disregarding what she had said throughout the their entire relationship up until this point, which was, I want to be taken seriously as a professional in this field. Yeah. And relationships with coworkers, with stars in the show, whatever, um, they can really compromise my how people perceive me. They compromise my perceived integrity. And he's like, totes, I totally understand, 100% agree. And then day one does exactly what she asked him not to do. True. So to me, it, it just felt selfish and a little bit disrespectful. That makes sense in reality land. <laughs> I know. And isn't this <laughs> However, where we're, all, we're always This is where we always go teetering. back and forth. Yeah. But Paige didn't really seem to mind. I, think I know. she was a little bit happy about it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> because we kind of, we glossed over this, but... At this point, they had decided that they were going to be friends. They had developed just a, you know, quote-unquote platonic friendship. Obviously, there was plenty of sexual tension underneath. They both still loved each other. But they had decided to at least be friends. Yes. So, they at least had that. And she totally was into it. I know, she totally was into (laughs) it. But you are right. Like, he wasn't respecting Mm -hmm. what she wanted for the workplace and to be taken seriously, which is a big turnoff. Yeah, like for me, I think it would have been, again, in real life, Yeah, it would have been even hotter if he told me those things in private and then we had to go to work every day with him fall, like, mm, falling in line, falling in line, yeah. being, you know, super respectful of me, kind of, you know, kind of following the rules, but like we had a little secret that like, you know. Yeah, would, I see that. You know? Yeah, totally. Anyway, so eventually they... uh they decide they, they can't fight it anymore. They get together. It's beautiful. They you screw up and down that house. Because um, at this point, it's like a real house. And then it ends with him revealing that, no, this is actually our home, not my home. I made this for you. And he proposes to her. And she yes. says, yes. So they get together in the end. Yay. And then the final ending, the real, real ending, yeah. is a time jump a few months into the future. They're uh, married. They just went to like a courthouse and quickly got married. And she reveals that she's pregnant. Yeah. What do you think about that? That didn't make any sense to me. No. Because there was nothing in this book about children. I mean, sure, there are children at the houses that they flipped. But there was never a talk about wanting to be a dad or wanting to be a mom. Everything was very focused on their work. You know, the whole reason he started with reality TV was to save his family's business. She is a respected field producer who is now going to be making a documentary about females in the workplace. Mm -hmm. There was literally never a discussion about kids or a family in the future. It just felt a little too, like, tidy of a cleanup ending, whereas I feel like it would have been perfectly acceptable for them to have 
been engaged at the end or maybe even just gotten married mm-hmm. and that was it. But I really did not understand why kids were thrown in out of like literally for one paragraph and that was the end of the book. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not going to insinuate that you can't have a career and also have a child. No, of course not. But that wasn't that, like you said, that was never part of either of their dreams or at least that's what they talked about in no, the book. There was not even one sentence where they mentioned yeah. a child ever. Also for me. And again, me being me, this is like the the realist. Yeah. Whenever I see like romance stories where it's like, will they, won't they? It's tumultuous. And then they finally get together and then they're like, we can overcome anything. There's a part of my brain that's like, yeah, but y'all broke up like six times within a year of dating. <laughs> so like they've been together for what, a maybe a year, maybe nine months at this point. Yeah. And now they're going to have a kid. They have so much work to do as a couple <laughs> to work on their security, to work on their communication, to work on their career goals. Yeah. I mean, they just bought a town, a, a, a brownstone in New York. He's using all of his money to dig Amanda, out his family in debt. <laughs> And now you want a baby. (laughs) So I think to me, babies aren't sexy. No. Meaning babies are, it's a responsibility. That's a life thing. I feel like as a mother, I'm allowed to say they're completely unsexy. (laughs) Yeah, they're not supposed to be sexy. No. So to have like a sexy book end with a baby, it's like, oh, womp womp. I I agree. And it really just wasn't fitting. It really didn't match the entire rest of the book. That being said... We love a happily ever after here. Yes. So we were a fan. Best of luck. Best of luck, Paige and Gannon. Yes. We hope you get to sleep. <laughs> we hope you get to have sex again. We really, really do. The foundation of your relationship. But you know what's funny that you said, you know, this is like nine months or a year into the relationship. What I liked about this book is that most, I feel like most of the romances we read take place within the span of days, weeks, Sometimes months, honestly, mostly weeks. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the first books I read where it took place over an entire year. So it felt way more realistic to me. Like, oh my gosh, this is actually taking a while for them to get to this place. Also, they had, of course, known each other for a year or two prior working work-wise. But their whole love story took place over an entire year, which is one of the longest I've seen in a romance book. Yeah, truly. So I actually, I was a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked the progression of their relationship. I did too. All right. We've got some questions for you. All right. Let's do it. We always have to start with our favorite. Tell me your favorite sex scene okay. and why. Okay. I'm going to have a two-parter for this okay. one. Okay. I'm going to tell you my favorite jolt moment where okay. I was like, oh. <laughs> and then my favorite sex scene. Okay. My favorite jolt moment does involve a miscellaneous erection. Of course. So when uh, there's one scene where it's Kat's birthday and Kat just goes all out on her birthday. So she's shit-faced. Paige is taking care of her. She's talking to this guy who sounds adorable. And then Gannon walks into the bar um, in your favorite outfit. Oh, my God. Sidebar, everyone. (laughs) I love Gannon, but the jeans and flip-flops combo that he is always described as wearing outside of work, I I absolutely cannot take it. You can't do jeans and flip-flops uglier than thinking about a man wearing jeans with flip-flops what about shorts and flip-flops that's okay oh so it's really specific to jeans it's specific 
It's specific to jeans and flip-flops. I don't care how hot it is. You are wearing a closed-toed shoe. There is something so ugly to me about it. has nothing to do with feet. Nothing like that. Yeah. It is just such a fucking turn-off. That's so funny. So it was honestly every time that they described him wearing jeans and flip-flops, it just... Didn't do it for you. It really, really didn't do it for me. Yeah. You inverted. I inverted. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But continue. Anyway, this anyway, is my my I'm imagining moment. Imagining him in some like really good close-toed shoes, walking. In. <laughs> so he's wearing close-toed shoes and jeans, um, and he walks in, and then he's, he's kind of like all over Paige, like trying to dance with her. He pushes her up against a wall at one point. Like nothing sexual happens, but it, the tension is definitely oh, building. Yes. And at one point, she's like, "Okay, I need to go get a drink. Like, I need a, I need some space." And he's like, me too. And then he adjusts his erection. And there is something about him being like so turned on in that moment. And the idea of him having to like flip his erection up into his, his pants. I don't know why, but I was like, oh, like I kind of liked that. Did it just like bring you back to high school? <laughs> <laughs> just, just reminded me of middle school dances uh, when none of the boys danced with me. <laughs> You were pushed up against a wall. I mean, I think I was in the sense that people were like pushing me away <laughs> to get to other people at dances. Because you have to understand, if I ever went to a middle school dance, I most likely was wearing um, Converse All-Star High Tops, one red flame, one blue flame, <laughs> and Anarchy shoelaces. And I wore a gas station attendant t-shirt. Ironically. Um, I love you. So anyway, I love the miscellaneous erection that he gets. Because again, it's just like they're so intoxicated with one another yes. that it's like, ooh, I like that. Yeah. But my favorite sex scene was their their first time having sex. Okay. Um, because I thought the buildup was really good. Um, but I really liked that she was an equal participant in it. So many of these books describe sex scenes... Um, kind of as like the man doing a bunch of stuff to the woman and the woman is just reacting, which can be hot. Yeah. But in this sex scene, she's initiating. She's dirty talking a little bit. She's straddling him. Um, so she's taking control just as much as he takes control, yeah. which I really liked. Absolutely. Yeah. Mine is, it's not technically a sex scene because it is the bathing scene, but <laughs> We put an asterisk there. We have to get back to it. That's definitely my most standout intimate moment of the book. So this is where she, the big windstorm happens. She gets really injured from this tent falling on her. She's in the shower, basically really struggling just to even stay awake, let alone bathe herself. She's so, so injured and out of it. And all of a sudden, the curtain opens and Gannon is standing there. And of course, at first, you should be thinking like, okay, violation of privacy. Yes. Like, this is, at this point, remember, like, strictly a co-worker. Nothing has happened. They do not have any sort of intimate relationship. And suddenly, the curtain is ripped open. Your co-worker just sees you naked. But it was so beautifully done where she just, like, looks at him and kind of whimpers and says, like, I can't wash my hair. Like, she mm. couldn't even, like, lift up her arms. And he... Not that he had to, but for all of our enjoyment, got naked, <laughs> stripped down, joins her in the shower, and proceeds to lather her and scrub her down gently, like wash her hair, 
soap her up everywhere. And it was just so intimate and so vulnerable without having sex. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. Oh, don't get me wrong. He had an erection. <laughs> I remember specifically he's like leaning over to get the soap and she feels his her his erection in her back. But you know, we don't care. We love it. <laughs> and it was just so beautiful because we almost never see that in a book, at least the first encounter where it's not sex, but it's mm-hmm. just intimacy in such a different way. Mm-hmm. And he even blow dries her hair afterwards. Ugh. And you're like, how does he know how to do that? Well, he would help his twin sister, Kat, when they were younger, do her hair. And it was just, he was taking care of her. He was such yeah. a caregiver. Mm-hmm. And I just, oh my God, I loved it. Yeah. I thought, I, I, I do think that was a really sweet scene. Yeah. Again, I always laugh at miscellaneous erections. So when there isn't sex happening and there's an, even in my life. Although I wouldn't say that one was too miscellaneous. Like she was completely naked. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. It, it definitely makes sense for the context and also the way my brain works. Whenever I see a, an erection outside of the context of sex, I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> so like the idea of him like jabbing her in the back or in the butt as he's like, I just picture him turning and like knocking over the shampoo. You know, like (laughs) I just, I had a lot of fun with that scene. But I also can really appreciate what you're saying about the intimacy there. It was really nice. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah. And I actually read that the author Lucy said that was one of the first ideas that came to her head and she was like waiting to write that Mm. scene. So I think she did a really great job because that's definitely like the standout moment to me. Yeah. Yeah. Super memorable. You know what we also didn't mention is uh, Megan, because I wanted to make sure you all understood. It's not Megan. <laughs> it is Megan, double E. <laughs> and double X. And double, oh yeah, Megan tracks. Oh my God. Yeah. And <laughs> we really felt like it was a Utah name, <laughs> uh, which we're allowed to say because <laughs> we live in Utah. Yeah. And it just really felt fitting. Mm-hmm. Also, Megan didn't make much sense to me because... She was so one-dimensional. There was no redeeming qualities about her to try and figure out why they could work. Mm-hmm. I like when, you know, if they're gonna, if there's going to be some sort of love triangle, you need to at least kind of like the third a little bit so, there's, yeah. so that there feels like competition. With Megan, there never felt like competition because she was just a total bitch and yeah. a total loser. That So I didn't, I kind of wanted her to have some redeeming qualities, mm-hmm. but she didn't. So another thing with Megan, and this is something that bugged me about Gannon, is I felt like he gaslit Paige a little bit at one point because when Paige, after he and Paige had gotten together and Megan came to set, Paige asked him like, what the fuck, what's going on between you two? And he did the gaslighty thing where he got mad at her for even assuming they could be together and was like, and I've, I have been on the receiving end of a narcissistic dick bag who... I would call him out for something and then he would get mad at me. How dare I ever accuse him of doing something? And then you just feel like the smallest person on the world in the world. So I felt like, you know, he made her feel like such shit for even asking if they could be together. Yeah. And then fast forward later, he's like, okay, yeah, we did have sex one time. And I get that it wasn't sex yes. that he necessarily wanted or even fully consented so that, to. Yes. You're leading into one of my questions because like, I agree with you. However, so one of my questions is, so once they, this is after they've called off the relationship, but then basically when they decide to become friends and she says, I need to hear the truth about Megan. Mm -hmm. And he tells her that they've slept together one time. 
it was at the start of the show and the start of Megan's show and the network was pretty much just trying to build up hype and help the network's ratings. So they put them together, hoping for more ratings. And uh, Gannon tells her that basically when Megan made a move on him, he didn't stop it. And ever since when she's made moves, you know, he's always said no, like it was one and done, stop. Mm -hmm. But that basically he's always felt ashamed and embarrassed of the one time they were together. And that's one of the reasons he didn't want to tell Paige what happened. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get your thoughts because I thought it was really interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen or read in a book where the male is admitting that they felt ashamed by an action like that. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think... It's it's an interesting play at power dynamics. Yeah. Um, you often see power dynamics being questionable when the man is in a position of authority and the woman is kind of um, beneath him, so to speak. But with Megan, she was already an established reality star. She, she had more clout. He's yeah. new in the industry. Um, again, he has kind of the desperation of like, I need to make money to save my family's business. So in a lot of ways, I think he is beneath her um, in terms of in, in terms of like a power power dynamic. So I do think that was an interesting detail that that was included in that. Yeah, for sure. It's so funny you keep hitting on different questions. My next <laughs> my next question is: Did you feel like there was a big power dynamic between Gannon and Paige? No, I didn't either. Actually, no. I think they both had their own respective sides that they reported to mm-hmm. at the same time I understood Paige's reservation because he's the star of the show so she doesn't want people thinking she's tied to him and that's how she's even gotten her field producer job or anything to come from that and I think that's what's so hard about being a female in the workplace is even as two consenting co-workers with no power dynamic at play he is not her boss that's still the repercussions it could have on her career yes yeah We didn't talk too much about Paige's mom, but she does come into play a few times. She's a therapist and she's pretty narcissistic. Yes. She is really hard on Paige, doesn't respect her career at all, thinks that she should have been either a doctor like her other daughter or a psychologist like herself or something just, you know, quote unquote, more respectable. And I'm wondering if you had any thoughts on how you thought her mom's narcissism might have impacted Paige or Paige and Gannon's relationship. Yeah, I think that's a great question. So in the book, like you said, her mother is a PhD therapist. Her sister is a doctor. Yeah. Um, So Paige views herself and I think is viewed by her family as like the black sheep because she went into the entertainment industry. So I think her mom's narcissistic abuse growing up, her chronic belittling of her, um, making her feel less than, comparing her to her sister, um, making her feel bad about her career choices. I think it seemed like that gave Paige... Um, a complex of like needing to prove herself. Yeah. Constantly feeling like she needs to be doing better. She needs to be grinding. She needs to be rising um, in order to prove that she's good enough, that she's worthy, um, and that she made the right choice kind of going against the grain in her family. So I could see that playing out both in how she interacted with the network and how she felt kind of powerless against these male executives I could see that in her reluctance to get together with Gannon because for Gannon, it was just like, hey, you're attracted to me. I'm attracted to you. I've got this erection. Let's do something <laughs> about it. But for her, that could potentially compromise 
um, everything she has set up for herself to challenge this negative core belief of I am less than or I'm not good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it made it a lot harder for her to compromise with Gannon and to be in a relationship because as much as she wanted him, she was so focused on the next step of her career and that that had to be the priority because her mother, you know, instilled in her so many times, like work is what's most important, not family, not relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really hard because she was going against her intuition, which was that she wanted to be with Gannon too. Mm -hmm. So she was a real piece of work, her mom. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. My last question for you. Gannon's process to win Paige over by secretly creating the brownstone for her. Are you for it? Do you think it's creepy? Okay, again, this is where we're going to do the split between reality and fantasy. Okay. Actually, maybe not. Maybe both. Uh, In reality, in this economy, if anyone (laughs) fucking bought me a condo, a home, a brownstone. A shed. A shed. (laughs) A lot. A vacant lot. um, I would be thrilled. (laughs) Hands Uh, off. Yeah, exactly. Hop in the shower. Let's go. Um... Yeah, in the fantasy of it, I think I thought it was very cute. Yeah. The idea of kind of giving her her dream home, especially because she was living in like some shithole apartment with a with a roommate. Yeah. Like what a step up for yeah, her. Indeed. They like could barely fit a coffee table. I know. That's how small the living room was, which is really concerning. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I thought it was there's there's a small part of me who kind of lives in reality who's like that's super manipulative. Uh and also, I want to set that part aside and be like, I just think that's really sweet. Yeah. What'd you think? You know I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> romance, romance, romance. <laughs> but at the same time, I loved it also because he really, she made the decisions the entire way, unbeknownst to her, mm-hmm. that it was for her. So I think if he had just done it all without ever asking her opinion on things, yeah. I... Yes, I still would have loved it, but not as much. But I thought he, for being, for it being a secret, I thought he did it really well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. So overall, what would you rate this on the sexy scale? Oh. I'm going to say, I'm going to say seven and a half. Oh, okay. I think I really liked the book, but it didn't stand out as one of the like sexier books to me, to be honest. The sex scenes didn't jump out at me like other books have, but I liked their story. You know, something like the shower scene, that intimacy really stood out to me. But sexual-wise, sexy, spicy rating, seven and a half. Yeah. Otherwise, I would give it more like eight, eight and a half for a story. Ooh, okay. You yes. like the story more than the sex scene. I like the story more than the sex scene, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What about you? I would say, overall, I really liked it. I thought it flowed really nicely. Um, I would agree, sexiness, maybe a six. Story seven and a half. Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We so feel like, the same way. We feel the same yeah. way. Wait, there's one thing that I wanted to ask you that I just checked Ooh. my notes and my note just says Oh no. My note just says pre cum. Um and I know exactly what I was referring to oh, when I wrote that. Okay. So in our for the last book, the Mafia book. Yeah. We talked about how sexy it was when he put his fingers inside her and then made her suck yes. his fingers. In this book, before they have sex for the first time, he swipes his pre cum. And then puts that on her mouth. I literally don't even remember that. Okay. What do, well, what do you think about that in general? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I could do without the sodium intake. Um, 
Just dry out your lips. Like I'm probably already dehydrated <laughs> and I just don't really need that. <laughs> uh, what did you think? I, I, I think in the heat of the moment, I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm in it. You know, like, we're, let's do this. We've waited so many chapters, like rub whatever you need to rub on her. Like, let's get it moving. But in general, if anyone ever tried to do that to me, it would be like, oh, like that would be revolting. That's not like you're no. getting wet because you're a whore. Like, that's not hot. It's just not. For me, yeah. When we get wet, it's super hot. Yeah. It's when just, men get wet. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> Suck it back in. <laughs> Like a straw. Just like, I know, God. The scenes where they're like, oh, like the saltiness on the tip. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're like, I'm shoving that shit way in yeah. the back of my throat. <laughs> like, please. No one's savoring that, okay? <laughs> Liars. <laughs> and if you are, please email us. And yeah. Tell us. And if you are, no judgment, email us at eroticallyneuroticpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Was that the right email? That was the right oh email. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> so what is next week's book? You tell me, because oh, I haven't you. read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I did start it. It's really good. Oh, I'm so excited. So next week's book is going to be Restore Me. It's the first of the New Haven series by J.L. Seegers. That's S-E-E-G-A-R-S. It's, for those of you who have Kindle Unlimited, which we love, it's free, Ooh, which is always really fun. Even better. There's a whole series. I'm still in the first one, um, but that's what we're going to be focusing and on. And it can be a standalone. Yes. From what I understand. Yes. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Really excellent. Again, that's Restore Me, part of the New Haven series by J.L. Seekers. Awesome. Well, if you guys have any questions, comments, or book recommendations for yes. upcoming podcast episodes, be sure to let us know. Email us at eroticallyneuroticpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram. Yes. Erotically we, Neurotic Podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. We, we've we made our first post. We did. We're excited. <laughs> We're so excited. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Okay. Amanda, you have to end with your what you did the first time. Oh, wait. I don't think I can do that because I realized that's from another podcast I listened to and that's why it so naturally came out. It's from um, My Favorite Murder. They say, oh. stay sexy and don't get murdered. But you didn't say that part. You just said, stay sexy. <laughs> Do you think I, I would could say, say stay neurotic? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll do. Stay okay. neurotic, everyone. Stay neurotic. <laughs> Thank you for being a part of our erotically neurotic community. Don't forget to email your book recommendations, book club questions, and or any erotic stories, embarrassing moments, or sexual triumphs you want to share. Email us at eroticallyneuroticpodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at Erotically Neurotic Podcast. Hi there, Amanda here. I think it's worth noting that any and all thoughts shared in these episodes are a reflection of my own personal and constantly evolving opinions, and not that of my profession or licensing board. While I am a therapist, I am not your therapist. Therefore, nothing I say in this podcast should be taken as therapy advice or guidance. Thank you so much for being a part of our sexy book club and tune in next week for our next episode.